Do you wish you could make more fun vacation memories with your family every year? I'm Lynn Mettler, aka Go-To Travel Gal. Welcome to the Families Fly Free podcast, where I help you learn to travel more by spending less and explain how easy it is for your entire family to fly free. Welcome back, everyone, to the Families Fly Free podcast, where we show you how easy it can be for a whole family to fly anywhere you want free. And um, this month, inside my Families Fly Free membership program, we are talking all about national parks. So we have lots of live webinars coming up throughout March, um, where we're getting everyone prepared for those spring and summer trips into um, some of the most popular national parks. So I've brought with me today a guest, Mallory Moskowitz of youradventurecoach.com. And she is an expert on hiking. So hiking is usually um, one thing that a lot of people do in the national parks. I know my family likes to hike. And so I thought we would bring her on today um, and get some um, questions answered whether you're totally new to hiking or you're a more experienced hiker or you want to know how to hike with your kids, um, we're going to let her fill us in. So Mallory, will you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into hiking to start with? Yes, thank you so much for having me. So I originally, I actually got into hiking. I used to work at a summer camp throughout college and then ended up reading Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods, oh, which yes. I know, yeah. And I know people seem to either really love or really hate that book, but I definitely <laughs> loved it. It was always a kind of planted the seed in the back of my mind to get into long distance hiking and backpacking. So. That was how I started out personally. And then over the years, I've guided backpacking trips for teens and young adults. And I used to teach environmental education. And then now, like you said, I own and run youradventurecoach.com, which has lots of resources for both new hikers and experienced hikers looking into getting into longer backpacking trips. So, yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah, back in the day, I used to work at Borders Bookstore that doesn't even exist anymore. So sad. Um, but I just remember that was like one of the, the most popular books. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly in the travel category. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's start like if you're just new to hiking, you know, what do you tell people who, who want to start hiking? How do they kind of even get going? Yeah, exactly. So if you are totally brand new, I would recommend choosing a very a short trail, an easy trail close to home, close to your house in an area that you're familiar with, you know well, preferably to where you have cell phone service, both as kind of a safety measure and just more of a, a personal comfort. Like I think people usually feel more safe and more comfortable if they do have cell phone service. And, you know, once you get more experienced and into more wilderness areas, I definitely don't want you to rely on your phone, but to start yeah. off, I think that's <laughs> totally okay. Yeah, and then just making sure that you carry all the basics to stay safe and comfy out there, which we'll dive into a little deeper in a minute. Um, but, and even that, so I love, I just said choose a short trail, but so how do you even choose a trail? If you're mm -hmm. just starting out, I love Hiking Project from REI. It's free, it's an app, or you can go to hikingproject.com on your computer 
and look up trails in your area there. And yeah, I just, I think that is an awesome tool for both experienced hikers and new hikers if you're looking for a spot to go. What about, is it trail finder? Is that another one? Uh, it might be. I feel like the other big one that I hear about a lot is all trails. And I honestly, I do not like all trails at all. I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I found it glitchy. Um, and just, and to, with any of these apps though, I guess kind of a disclaimer, you always have to be careful because a lot of the trails on there are user generated, meaning that just like any random person can record where they walked and submit it as a trail. And so sometimes that can be incorrect. Like, you know, if they went the wrong way or if they kind of wandered off course, then they could actually upload like a, just a random route. And so that, and that was something that I found happened in all trails a -hmm. lot was that there were just like a lot of random, I don't know. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah. Be careful with that one. Exactly. Um, does the REI one, like, I find it helpful, like, when looking for a trail, like, particularly if you're hiking with kids or something, to, to get a real sense of, like, is, is it, is there shade? Is it sunny? Like, how hard is it really? Or, you know, um, compared to, like, looking on the National Park website, which doesn't really give you much detail, you know, sometimes you get feedback from other people, um, about what it's really like or a place to stop or that kind of thing? Exactly, yeah. And so that actually is a good question about shade. I haven't seen that mentioned too much in particular, but I do love on Hiking Project, usually people can like, you know, check in at the trail and they'll leave comments. And so I love to read the recent comments to even check for like trail conditions. You know, people will say if it's still snow packed or maybe it was closed or maybe, or, you know, they might say, oh, it's beautiful and perfect. And so I do like to see those other kind of user reviews within the last several weeks. So um, once you're, you know, kind of used to some beginner hikes, um, I don't know, what would you say, like up to three miles or something? Would that be considered beginner? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like anything... Yeah, and that's another thing I think people get almost like worked up in their head about that they think hiking is, oh, it has to be some, you know, an 18 mile long hike or, you know, or maybe they're not like a real hiker, quote unquote, but I honestly consider anything over a mile could be a hike. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, so yeah, definitely one to three miles or maybe one to five miles, I would say is is pretty beginner. So if you wanted to start doing like some longer hikes, um, do you need to train for that? And, and if so, how do you do that? I would definitely recommend it, especially if you're new. Like I said, though, if you're brand new, you don't want to go out there and just try an 18 mile hike for your no, first no. day out. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, and even that just honestly, hiking is the, is some of the best training you can do. And especially if you on my, I say, training hikes with air quotes, um, I try to put extra weight in my pack, either extra water bottles or Mm -hmm. even do literally just like weights. Like I have free weights in my apartment that are adjustable. So I may just throw in some extra weights and go on an even shorter hikes to start out with to train. Like there's um, a perfect trail right by my house that's only, I think it's three miles round trip, but, and it's, it's a hill. It's like, it's a small mountain. So you're just, you're going uphill halfway and then downhill the other half. And so I'll put my a weighted pack on and just do that either once or twice as almost training. And I think that's great if you can get some elevation, either 
by going up and down hills or stairs if you have somewhere with a lot of stairs near you that you, that you can do mm -hmm. with a weighted pack and and I say that and even start small even just an extra five pounds or 10 pounds you know it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be a 60 pound pack that you're <laughs> trying to hike with that's a little excessive and do the heavier packs help you with endurance or yeah definitely so both endurance and also to just getting your your legs and muscles used to moving with okay. that extra weight and yeah um so and you you just like do the one near you like a couple times or with the heavier pack like you do the three mile with the heavier pack and that can help you prepare for a longer hike yeah, definitely. And then to and just slowly start increasing. So maybe at least once a week, once or twice a week, if you can try to increase your mileage as well. And that's kind of you got to find a balance as to what feels good to you that still feels challenging, but also feels good as far as as you increase your miles, I would say you want to decrease your weight. So find your balance there. You know, like I said, uh, okay. if you're going on, if you're go trying to hike a 14er, for example, which is usually like a pretty long mile day and very difficult, like for a hike like that, you actually want to go, I would say, try to keep your pack weight as light as possible, you know, because just the terrain itself is going to be so challenging. You don't need the extra weight to also challenge you. And then you have to, like, if you're hiking in somewhere like Colorado, where you're at a higher elevation, that has to be factored in too, because that when you're going up a hill at high elevation, that can be even more exhausting. <laughs> oh, for sure. Especially if you're traveling and not necessarily used to it. And even to, so if you're going to say national parks, especially out here in the West that may have some, some higher elevation, try to give yourself at least a day. Like I would even recommend like stay overnight for a night at, you know, five or 6,000 feet or higher um, to try to get used to it. Take that first day easy, easier than you usually would at home and then slowly increase your activity. And um, so, this is a question I always have. Um, so I can do like a three mile hike, no problem. But um, if we get into, you know, six or seven miles, I get into aching, my joints ache. Um, and I fix some of that with better shoes, um, like with ankle support. Um, and then I've added kind of like the walking sticks or whatever, and that's helped too. But do you have any suggestions for if people have that problem, even like hips and knees and ankles? Nice. Yeah, for sure. So it sounds like you're already off to a great start. Definitely um, trying to find better boots or shoes that really just fit properly. And I also really love super feet insoles. I don't know if you use any sort of inserts, um, but I definitely recommend them. Usually the ones that just come in hiking boots are pretty soft and flimsy and not really made to be used long term. But if you get something like super feet that helps stabilize your foot and your ankle even more. And then also, like you said, trekking poles can definitely help relieve some of that pressure on, on your joints and your lower body. So I recommend those to everybody. And I know if you haven't used them before, it may seem a little silly or you may feel a little silly or awkward using them, but just try them. Uh, I haven't met I actually haven't met anyone who doesn't like them. Most people who try them, they're like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe I've never used these before. So it's definitely worth a try. And then 
otherwise there are a lot of things we can do like i said trying to keep your pack weight low especially on those longer once you get into those longer distances no um, i'm mom so i get everyone's stuff in my backpack of course oh my goodness yeah that's I have everyone's I'm, waters and the whole thing <laughs> i'm sure well and that was something else that i was going to bring up i do love well and this obviously depends on how old your kids are but definitely give your kids small packs and have them help carry at least some stuff even if it's just a snack and a small water bottle in their backpacks, you know, um, to kind of help not only distribute that weight for you, but also give them a little bit of, you know, kind of ownership of the hike and responsibility and, and to them, they can even, you know, collect rocks or pine cones or cool things they find on the trail if they want to and, and put them in their bag as well. Right, right. And yeah. I will say I use the, um, the trekking poles for the first time last fall when we were in um, like arches and canyonlands and um, not only was it helpful for the joints, but it was amazing to me how helpful it was like uh, in those parks and in Utah, you know, things are, there's a lot of rocks that you're climbing up. Things are unstable, I would say. Yeah. So it helped me feel a lot more secure to be able to have that extra, um, leverage, I guess, or kind of balance when like making a kind of a cross over some unstable rocks, if you will. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought it had multiple benefits. Now I, my husband, we got two, he tried one. He didn't like it, but I can't say he tried it for very long, but they're nice that they can just telescope down. You can put them in your backpack too, if you don't want to use them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, so what would you say um, the planning process needs to look like before you are going on a hike, let's say in a, in a national park for a trip you have coming up? Yeah, for sure. So uh, some things I do before a hike are check the weather <laughs> always. And, you know, there's not more so just to prepare, you know, if you think it might rain, like then like for sure, for sure pack. I well, so for example, I always pack a rain jacket, but like if I actually think yeah. it's going to storm, I'll also pack rain pants and, you know, a waterproof cover for my backpack. Like I'll really prepare for rain. Or for example, if it's going to be really bad, then it's like, you know, I may have that debate of do I really want to go or can I move it to a different day? So, you know, check the weather, get a good idea what's going on there. I always like to check trail and possibly road conditions too. Like I said, I love to use hiking project for that. Just check some recent comments that other people have made, especially in Colorado. That's a big thing. Like a lot of the trails are closed for the winter and accessible in the winter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they may not be open or passable until like June. So mm -hmm. that's something I always want to check to make sure that the trail is actually available and an option. And I also like to use the Forest Service website for that as well for maybe not so much for trails and national parks, but even anywhere outside of a national park, usually um, the fs.usda.gov website will have more information on like, if you need permits or and you know, if it's seasonally closed or open. So that's always worth checking. And then I like to check the elevation of the trail if I can get a good sense of that usually hiking project will have a good elevation profile as well or and that's something you can check to see if the trail is easy like if you think it would be easy and doable for for your kiddos or if maybe you might decide it's it's a little too steep and too challenging but yeah so I keep an eye on that keep an eye on water sources especially as you get into longer trails like I'd say seven or eight miles or more you might need to refill your water while you're out there on the trail so that's worth looking into 
And then last minute, I always, you know, pack snacks and water that I think I'll need for the day and let someone know where you're going. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So always, especially if you're by yourself, you know, let someone know the trailhead you're starting at, the name of the trail you're on, possibly even like your destination if you're going to a certain summit or maybe a certain campsite or a lookout and, you know, just say your tentative plan. Right. And like in some of these busier national parks, like if you're going to be on the managed trails, like you're probably okay for on those, right? I, I don't mean, it's always better to let someone know, but I, yeah, definitely like I always let my dad or someone know, you know, if we're going like, if we're in Colorado, we're going just to a random trail, you know, make sure we made it back, please, by, you know, four or five yeah. o'clock or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And definitely, Um, Yes, like you said, usually the more kind of well-trafficked a trail is, or if you're on a really well-established trail and there are other people around, that's generally safer. But even like you said, you know, that woman kind of just randomly, like she did get lost like in Zion. And and so it's kind of like, you know, these things, while they're not common, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that something could still happen you might you might fall off trail especially to you know if there's like a steep drop off or something as you know as much as we don't want to think about that yeah no one would know yeah exactly Mm -hmm. right yeah a lot of steep drop-offs in um, the utah parks yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah and and most of those like some of them it's like there's constant people but we did like in Canyonlands, we did one where we hardly saw anyone. And that is a national park, you know, that's managed. But so, yeah, I guess always default to letting someone know. Now, do you recommend like bringing a map with you? Because um, I had read that recommendation before we did our last national park trips and I didn't use it at all. <laughs> so oh. I don't know, but I like a very detailed, you know, park map um, yeah. versus like I had printed out kind of a here, turn left here and, you know, that kind of a thing. But yeah, no, I definitely would recommend having a much more detailed map with you that can even show the, you know, topography lines, um, preferably show the other like trails and landmarks that are on there. But I will say, though, that I mean, a map can only do you so good as long as you know how to read it and use exactly. it. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's something that that I don't want to hold you back. Like, I don't think that people, if you don't know how to read a map, that doesn't mean that you can't go hiking. But like I said before, start on, you know, those really short established trails Mm. and practice over time. So bring a map and practice looking at it and identifying Mm. things as you're actually out in the parks. So what um, are some, some of the basic equipment that, that you need to have? Like, does it need to be expensive to hike? It doesn't need to be, and that really is, you can go as uh, kind of simple and thrifty as you want, or as, you know, kind of extravagant and more, you can have the best of the best gear that, that you want to, but there are some basic things that I really do recommend. I can share the link with the, with you as well to my mm-hmm. complete day hiking gear checklist, but always um I always bring you know a backpack with usually two liters of water and that's just for myself so yeah like you said though if you're carrying for a whole family that can get a little heavy but I really do think it's worth it you definitely don't want to run out of water yeah out there always fine we need more water than we think we did you know yeah yeah exactly so definitely water a first aid kit even a headlamp 
uh, on day hikes, even if it's short, even if you think for sure you won't get lost, you just, you never know if something might happen, you may end up being held up and out there past dark. So always bring a headlamp or like a flashlight and always a, uh, my poop kit just always comes with me. That's more something I think backpackers think about, but even on day hikes, like what if you have to poop while you're out there or like, or if your kids have to poop. Uh, so, and that doesn't have to be you know, heavy or it's literally just I carry as a black bag with a small camping trowel in it and toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Mm, and okay. mm-hmm. so, yeah, so it doesn't have to be anything crazy. And then I do carry some other emergency gear as well as a first aid kit. I always have a way to start a fire. Uh, and that can be, again, it can even just be waterproof matches. Maybe it's a lighter and a small Ziploc bag of, you know, lint from your dryer, like something tender to start a fire with. <laughs> yeah. <idea. laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then this is something though, that is, is more expensive, but I think is worth the cost and not to say you don't, again, I don't want this to hold you back if you don't have it, but if you're going to be hiking a lot, I do recommend having some sort of GPS, like an emergency GPS locator, like a spot, or I have a Garmin now, and I just, I love that it has the SOS button on it, so I know if something goes wrong, Mm -hmm. I can call for search and rescue, even if I don't have cell phone service, and two, I can even just check in with family, there's like an okay button, so I can just send out an okay text, even again, if I don't have cell phone service, so yeah that's that's really cool yeah it is but yeah like I said those are they're not cheap but but I have it though just because you know I I do go hiking a lot I go backpacking a lot in the summer so and you do a lot of solo hiking too right and so that's probably a way that really can make you feel a lot more secure and safe yeah for sure so what about um good hiking shoes what do you recommend to people to look for? Cause I definitely tried, um, just hiking shoes that weren't boots, you know, just below my ankles. And I found for me, the ones that go over your ankles, even though they're a little hotter and bulkier, um, served me on longer hikes to keep my ankles from moving around so much. And again, when you're walking on like rocks and stuff, or, you know, um, that your ankles do get a lot of movement. Yeah, for sure. And that really is, I think you explained it perfectly. It's personal preference Um, for a long time. I actually, I do prefer kind of the lighter, uh, just, you know, like, well, I did use hiking boots. They weren't, I guess they would be like day hikers. They weren't like the big, heavy, clunky, you know, kind of like expedition boots, but I do like the lower cut, just either day hikers or even trail runners. Um, But like you said, I do know a lot of people do prefer that ankle support. And so I think you do have to, there's a little bit of trial and error there. Um, I would recommend going to actually going to a store like REI maybe and somewhere where the, a person will help you, you know, try on lots of different boots and kind of show the pros and cons and you can really test them out, you know, on the store, they usually have like a ramp where you can practice like, you know, going up and down a hill to see if your toes hit the front of the boots and those kinds of things to try to prevent any issues. Um, and not that that's not always um, 100% foolproof, you know, you may actually get out on the trail and you may find some bad spots, but again, a store like REI will usually um, it help you exchange them, return them, kind of fix it if there's an issue, so. Okay. Uh, but, oh, and I did want to say one more thing about boots. I used to be a huge believer in, I would use 
waterproof um, insulated boots in the winter, you know, like full on just like winter boots. I live in Colorado, but in the summers, I was a really big believer in not using waterproof boots. Um, and I still am, especially if you live somewhere hot or, you know, I think you, it's worth getting a boot that is breathable and will dry out more quickly. So a lot of waterproof boots will just hold, like they will get wet eventually and they're just going to hold on to that moisture for mm -hmm. days on end. And so I do not like that, but I recently discovered for the first time I broke down and bought um, a pair of Ultras Lone Peaks and they are, they're a lighter hiking boot. Um, I guess, I don't know, I would say they're almost like a, a hybrid between trail runners and hiking boots, but, and they're waterproof. This is my first pair of just like waterproof hiking shoes. And I actually have kind of fallen in love with them, especially mm. since, or yeah, we were talking about, um, you know, kind of spring hiking and getting ready for spring here, at least here in Colorado, the spring is very wet, muddy. We have mm -hmm. mud season. We have snow melt still coming down like right. well into June. Yeah. So I actually am, I think I'm, I'm hopping on the waterproof hiking boot train, you know, depending on, on the terrain. Like I said, if you're going to be in a lot of mud and snow, I think they're worth getting. Right. Right. Um, and back to things to bring with you. Um, what about like things to protect from wildlife, like a whistle or a horn or things like that. Do you recommend that? Yeah, for sure. So I do always carry a whistle with me and actually would recommend even if you're hiking with kids, like I said, um, give them their own, you know, just a small backpack with, you know, and give them just a little bit to carry to help, you know, give them a sense of, of pride and responsibility on the hike, but also give them a whistle, like give each of your kids a whistle and teach them how to use it. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're ever, if they think they're lost and need to find you, they can call out to you with the whistle. Or if, you know, if they do see something like, you know, an animal and they want to scare it away they can blow the whistle and you know try to explain it to them and maybe even practice with them along the way yeah but so be fun for kids yeah so I definitely do carry a whistle I also do carry bear mace um that's I didn't used to carry bear mace on the east coast when I lived on the east coast but definitely since I've moved to Colorado and especially when I am solo hiking I do carry bear mace and I do think that's kind of more of a catch-all at least for me I feel like that's a catch-all almost self-defense thing like mm -hmm. and it was kind of weird and sorry if this is going to open a whole other can of worms but when I first moved here also a neighbor uh, a man of course said to me like you know he was like well first he tried to tell me that I can't go hiking alone I just you know you don't do that and which I don't believe in but okay <laughs> and so first he said that and then he said well if you are going to go out well you need a gun and uh -huh. which I yeah <laughs> which I also don't I mean, I, I don't own a gun. I've never used a gun. So especially in that respect, like I'm like, it would not be safe for me to have a gun because like right. I am not trained for that. Yeah. No. But um, so and also I just think like, yeah, I just think guns are not even statistically, they're not as effective against bears and wildlife as bear mace is mm -hmm. like there's much less user error with bear mace and so like I said, I carry that and kind of in my mind, that's like a catch all just self defense against any wild animal maybe even wild human but well and I would imagine that way you're not like critically injuring the animal you're just yeah. stopping them from attacking you right yeah, for the exactly. short term and then getting away because we're not trying to harm them yeah. we just we just don't prefer not to get eaten you know yeah exactly <laughs> do you see many, much wildlife when you're out hiking 
Um, I sometimes I actually it's kind of funny. I moved to Colorado in 2015 and I still I have not seen a bear like while hiking or camping. I've only seen, I mean, we get bears actually like on our property, they get into the trash and stuff, which is bad. And, you know, so that's like the only time I've ever seen them or heard of them is like getting into more like municipal trash. But I've never seen one in the wild in Colorado. I have huh. seen lots of bears on on the East Coast on the Appalachian Trail. Oh. And yeah, but they're, they're fine. They, they were all skittish, they were black bears and, you know, we're pretty afraid of people, so that was fine I have seen you know lots of moose lots of elk here in Colorado but yeah nothing yeah nothing and too. can be a little scary right you need to sort of know how to handle them too right yes exactly yeah moose can definitely charge if they feel threatened um I've never had had an issue you know I just I give them their space and they they give me my space and we've been good so yeah do you have any um, other tips for bringing kids hiking? Like you mentioned the whistles and having them carrying their own backpack. Yeah. Um, so I think probably one of the biggest ones is just for, for us adults to let go of our expectations <laughs> that, uh, yeah, you know, kids are never, or at least pretty rarely, I think they're not going to want to go hiking for the sake of going hiking. You know, they're not going to want to just like walk and walk and walk to a destination. Yeah, I, can, so, I can verify that mine get bored walking in a straight line, right? Yeah, exactly. There's got to be something for them to do along the way. Exactly. So yeah, so definitely just take it slow. Don't have like a, dis like a set distance or destination that you like have to get to in mind. It's really just more about being in the woods, you know, play, play in the woods, explore, give them kind of other things to do or try out other than just walking. So um, for example, like, you know, you could bring like a nature scavenger hunt or, you know, go find a spot off trail to like build a fort or, you know, like kind of like play pretend, like build like a little, you know, like house, like what if you were living in the woods kind of thing with some, you know, like pile up dead branches as if they were going to build a little house or look for critters, like turn over rocks and logs or like if there's a stream or a lake, like, you know, go to the edge of the water and, you know, look for critters in the water. Um, or like collect things to make a nature craft or a collage. Uh, and two, while you're walking, you can like sing silly songs, like try to keep them busy while they're walking and moving forward. And then of course, just take lots of breaks, lots of breaks, lots of snacks, lots of water, um, maybe even bring a book to read like on the breaks. And yeah. And we found like um, trails that aren't just kind of a straight line but or like a dirt trail but again like in Utah where there's a lot there's scrambling right I didn't know that term until we did some of the Utah parks where you actually have to climb over or under or through rocks that our boys really liked that they thought that was great fun <laughs> um so those kind of hikes are good and or even like keeping an eye out for wildlife if you're getting bored be like oh like oh I heard something or whatever you know <laughs> is that yeah. a deer over there or whatever so always keep an eye out for that and um, yeah, like you mentioned the snacks, like if you have a good snack to stop that everyone can look forward to like cookies or brownies or something like that, that mm -hmm. can be fun. And even like having a reward at the end of the hike, like you're hiking to a waterfall or, you know, some really cool thing that you're going to see at the end can kind of help motivate too. Yeah. All good tips. So, so, okay. Do you have, what are some of your favorite hikes? Yeah, that's a, I was like, I mean, that's obviously, a big question, but I know, well, yeah, because I haven't, 
I mean, I haven't done every hike in the US, but it was funny, even specifically thinking about national parks, I really loved Bryce. Like, so we, my mm -hmm. husband and I took a trip um, around to Bryce and Zion a couple of years ago, and I was surprised, well, and to, I was surprised how just Zion was like a zoo when we went and we even yeah. went in like I don't know early March like I, I thought it would have been like kind of the slow season but it was not like it was just insane and that honestly kind of ruined it for me even though yeah. it was beautiful yeah it was just every trail experienced was, that too yep. yeah 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 so that was surprising to me about Zion but Bryce I actually really liked and thought was um yeah, just it was a it was less crowded. There was easier. I mean, there were easy hiking trails, and you know some that were harder or longer. But and it was just such a unique area to me. So I loved it there. Um, I also uh, last year we did the Trans Catalina Trail as a backpacking trip off of the coast of California, Ooh, and cool. that was like one. Of, it was on my bucket list, and I didn't realize though once I looked into it how actually it was pretty affordable and easy to to kind of get there and do and so I was like oh my gosh like why are more people not talking about this because it's that one <laughs> yeah or yeah it was like and even for backpacking it was only I think I forget if we spent four or five days but and we are you know I'm a pretty slow backpacker I like to take my time so you could probably do it even shorter than that but um but yeah I just I thought that was great and even for beginners because you do hike through almost like midway you hike through a small like a little village I guess I wouldn't say it's like a town but so it's good like if you needed support or supplies or needed help or needed to mm. bail early for some reason or whatever you know that was a very good trail like it wasn't like you were like stuck out in the wilderness like kind of thing so um, but yeah and then too even for easier hikes on the east coast I love the Tennessee North Carolina Virginia section of the Appalachian Trail like okay. anywhere in there yeah if you're like within a few hours drive or if you travel to that area that's worth checking out um and then if you wanted to almost like dabble in some mountains I used to live in the Catskills in upstate New York and used to lead trips in the Catskills and Adirondacks and I really I even living in Colorado I still think about that area a lot and do miss it out there hmm. um yeah it's just it's different I guess and then and then in Colorado some of my favorite areas have been the collegiate peaks um near like Leadville, Buena Vista, Salida area um yeah just and there are some easier hiking trails and then of course there are a lot of 14ers there as well and and the Colorado trail goes through there so yes yeah. so you yeah you've got good recommendations all over the country there yeah where you want to go there's great hiking yeah exactly and such a great thing to do right now just to get out of your house and get outdoors and get some exercise and see our beautiful country, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect activity. Okay, well, um, do you have any other um, suggestions you want to tell us anything we didn't cover that um, maybe you hear from your readers a lot that are common questions? Um, I think we touched on most of it. I think the biggest thing, especially if you're just starting out, is to not let silly things hold you back like I said like don't let not having a, a hiking partner hold you back you know go out and try it solo you know start easy start slow start close to home um and just kind of get your feet wet in it and then you can expand and go from there as you learn more more skills like you know how to read a map and whatnot then you can venture even further out so awesome 
Well, tell us um, where we can download your um, gear guide and, and where else we can find you online and social media. Yeah, definitely. Um, on youradventurecoach.com slash resources, I'll share that link with you as well. There are some awesome, like a day hiking gear checklist, some resources to help you get started with backpacking and overnight hiking, if that's something you're interested in, as well as some more in-depth hiking courses that will actually teach you those skills. Like I said, like how to use a map and compass, how to hang a bear bag, you know, all of those things that you need to know. And then I'm just, I'm your adventure coach on Facebook and Instagram. I'd love to, you know, reach out if you guys want to say hello or tag me on there. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely check that out and I'll include the links to, um, in the show notes for the podcast. So those are some great tips. I hope that inspires everyone to get out and do some hiking this spring, this summer, close to home at national parks, wherever you're going. And um, Mallory's actually going to be doing a live Q&A inside of our Families Fly Free membership coming up at the end of March. So if you have any specific questions for her, um, come join us inside the membership and you can um, come ask her live. So thanks so much, Mallory. Yeah, great. Thank you. All right. And if you found this helpful, um, I would love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And we will see you on the next episode. Ready to fly your family free? Come join me inside my Families Fly Free program where you get my simple step-by-step plan and my personal help so you can make more priceless travel memories with your family before your kids leave home. Visit familiesflyfree.com join. That's familiesflyfree.com join to learn more and get started flying free today.